Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of 11 Personnel on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic, joined in a second here by Jake Reiner of CBS2 Los Angeles. And it's only been a week since we last talked to you, but my goodness, a lot going on with the Rams. Even though they're not playing, uh, they are certainly making a lot of news since our last episode, in, in no particular order here, they have lost special teams coach John Fossil, who will be taking the same role with the Dallas Cowboys. And they've hired two, not one, but two new coordinators. Uh, Brandon Staley coming in from the Denver Broncos, where he coached outside linebackers. He will be the defensive coordinator, replacing Wade Phillips. And Kevin O'Connell. Uh, who's bounced around a little bit. Most recently, the offensive coordinator with Washington is set to come in as the offensive coordinator. So neither of those moves, as uh, we speak here, have been announced yet officially, but uh, widely reported, and and I was able to confirm them with a couple uh, Rams sources. But uh, Jake, before I I send it over to you, I, I need to start off by saying kudos to Sean McVay. I uh, was been critical of him, I guess you could say, or at least been been on him a little bit in terms of the, the idea that he needs to hire an offensive coordinator and, and not just look at the defensive side of the ball. I think we've talked about that plenty in the past. And he did so. He did exactly what I think he, he needed to do, what a lot of uh, fans, followers of the team think he needed to do, which is to bring somebody in to help on that side. Sean will continue to call plays, which I think is fine. That's something that's good. He doesn't need to give that up uh, right now. But Kevin O'Connell can help him with a lot of other things, preparation, in-game adjustments, things like that. And he uh, addressed the defensive side of the ball, too, with uh, Brandon Staley. So, Jake, a lot of news there in a short period of time. Both of those dropped, I believe, uh, Friday uh, evening. So uh, your, your takeaways, were you surprised by either of those moves? And uh, what, what do you think uh, about the two new guys? I think I'm surprised in the sense that I didn't ever hear these guys before they were talked about in connection with the Rams. I'm also surprised at the reaction on from Rams Twitter out there. I think a lot of it was positive to from what I was seeing, that people were excited uh, to see what Brandon Staley and Kevin O'Connell can bring to the table. And... I think that this shows, like you were touching on there, Rich, that Sean McVay is taking over his team. He is showing that this is his team. These are the guys that he wants. He was a relatively uh, unknown coach before the Rams hired him as the head coach, and everybody was sort of shocked and like, oh my God, he's young. What's this going to mean? He's not, he's unproven and, and all of this stuff. And then he gets here and has two really great seasons back-to-back, kind of reestablishes the Rams in Los Angeles. And then after last year, you know, this past season has been kind of a down year. He's decided that now that he has three years of head coaching experience under his belt, that he is going to bring in his guys. I think in terms of experience, obviously Kevin O'Connell has been an offensive coordinator before. Brandon Staley's never been a defensive coordinator in the NFL So I think that that kind of fits with what uh, Sean McVay kind of brought to the table when he first came over. He had never been a a head coach in the NFL before. I think 
Sean McVay is betting on himself a little bit here, and I think that that's good. He's going to have more of a say on what goes on on the defensive side of the ball, which he did not have under Wade Phillips. He kind of let Wade run the show on the defensive side of things. So I think Sean wants his hands in every single uh, aspect of this team, and I I think that that could only be a, a, a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about it on the on the last episode, and that it, this is a different team now than than 2017 when Sean McVay came in and the needs that he had then are a lot different than than what he needs now back then he needed Wade Phillips he needed that veteran uh, guy not only to run the defense but maybe as kind of a mentor as as a head coach and and he's grown over over the three years and obviously has reached the heights of the Super Bowl and and feels he needs to do some some different things now. So I know there's Rams fans are a little maybe scared or anxious about, you know, having this much change, but I don't know. I, I kind of see it as a positive because it, it means that they're not static. He's not looking at a nine and seven season and saying that's good enough, and we just make some little tweaks here and there and and try to take another kick at the can in in twenty twenty. I, I think Sean is looking at that and saying, hey, you know, there, there's ways that I can make this staff better, that it can evolve, and, and that it can be stronger in in twenty twenty. So he's taking some of those big swings and. You know, we'll see if they work out. That's that's uh, what we'll be tracking here over the next few months. But I, I don't uh, critique him or criticize him for 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 taking those swings. I, I applaud him for it. So we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of these guys later on, particularly Kevin O'Connell. We'll, we'll get into him a little bit. But uh, to me, that's a, a little bit lesser of a move just because Sean is going to be so involved in that offense still. It's still going to be his baby still going to be his his play calls and all of that but uh, Brandon Staley coming in is is a big move uh, because obviously he's he's replacing a legend in in Wade Phillips you go from a guy who's been in the league for 40 plus years to a guy who's not even 40 years old yet so that that's a big big swing 37 year old Brandon Staley coming in his resume Jake, as, as you touched on, uh, he spent last season with the Denver Broncos as their outside linebackers coach, previous two years with the Chicago Bears, same role. Uh, before that, for the previous uh, eight years before that, he'd bounced around to some smaller schools, Division three schools, uh, John Carroll University, kind of the where he kind of made his name, so to speak, as a defensive coordinator. Uh, if people haven't already seen it, I was able to talk to uh, Tom Arth, who was the head coach of those John Carroll University teams and actually hired uh, Brandon Staley, hired him three times. In fact, uh, the third time was going to be at uh, the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. And then shortly after that, Brandon Staley got hired by the Chicago Bears, so never actually coached a game there. But the name, as you said, Jake, uh, caught a lot of Rams fans by surprise. Not a name that I don't think was any uh, that was on anybody's radar. Maybe most people didn't even know who the Denver Broncos outside linebackers coach is. But I'll tell you what, we've learned a lot about him in the last few days. But to get even more insight, uh, I wanted to bring on somebody who covered uh, Brandon this this past year and maybe got to know him a little bit and, and what he did uh, as a coach. And that's uh, Nick, Nikki Javala. And Nikki, welcome. First of all, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for being here. Nikki was such a huge help to me initially too. reached out right away and and was able to provide some some info on, on Brandon when I was sitting there looking at my phone going, 
Brandon Staley. Let's see. Um, and so I got some great insight right away. And, you know, Nikki, I, I know you, you covered uh, him for, for one year, covered, you know, his defense as linebackers. But um, what can you tell us uh, maybe about his role within that, uh, within that defense, within that defensive coaching staff? And um, any insight that you can give in particular uh, to Rams fans about Brandon? Yeah, I think he's one of those coaches who is obviously young, doesn't have a ton of NFL experience, but is regarded as one of those um, up-and-comers. And, you know, clearly Sean McVay thought so as, as well by pointing as a defensive coordinator after three seasons in the NFL as a positional coach. Um, he was with Vic and Ed Donatel in Chicago for two years in the same position. And that was his, that was his first job in the NFL. Um, he's coached quite a bit in college, um, but he's a former quarterback out of Dayton. So it's kind of an interesting journey he's taken. Um, but in Denver, uh, his his role kind of changed throughout. I mean, he he came in was supposed to have you know Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on the edge, um, and this is, you know, after the Broncos kind of reshuffled their defensive coaching staff, not just with Vic and, and the new phases coming in, but just the general structure. Um, so they decided to go back and have. Um, a traditional outside linebackers coach for for Vaughn and Chubb and the young guys behind them, um, and they lost quite a depth, a bit of depth at that position. Shaq Barrett, Shane Ray, no longer there. Um, so he had two star guys and then a, a lot of young pieces behind him. And then Bradley Chubb got hurt in week four, um, and it's Vaughn, and he's now working with Malik Reed, an undrafted free agent who really impressed in camp. He's got Justin Hollins, who he trained. Um, to play inside and outside. Um, and then he's got a lot of new pieces coming in just to compensate for the injuries from Jeremiah Tachu and others. So um, his job kind of changed throughout the season. I can't imagine it was particularly easy, um, you know, going from two elite pass rushers to now working with some pretty inexperienced guys and brand new veterans who weren't there in camp. Um, but I, he really impressed the staff. Um, I, I know he was well regarded by the players, uh, very detailed, much like Vic, but, um, I, a young guy too. And, you know, he's just developed a, a lot of good connections in the league and is, you know, well liked by all. Yeah. And, and by all accounts, just really nailed that interview with Sean McVay. That's the one thing I heard from, from people within the Rams is that, uh, kind of got in the building and, and just wowed them probably not unlike what Sean McVay did with, with the Rams in 2017 when, when he got that job. So you can definitely see the parallels there, uh, and uh, I'm sure the Rams hope it'll work out as well as it did with with Sean McVay. But Nikki, one thing I was curious about is a lot of Rams fans obviously want to know, you know, what what kind of defense is, is Brandon going to be bringing to the Rams, and and we don't know yet. No, nobody knows exactly yeah. what he's going to do. But he he's been a, a Vic guy for for quite a while. I've I read some of the old stuff about him, and you know, even when he was back at John Carroll, uh, he he was running a lot of Vic Fangio stuff. But we don't know necessarily. Necessarily that that's what he's going to do with the Rams, but but we presume that that's what it is. So, mm-hmm. uh, what what does that mean? You know, I, I you know Vic obviously he he runs the three four in name, but you know kind of in, in drilling into the some of the numbers and some of the formations and stuff, it, it certainly doesn't look like your traditional kind of three four. He's he's a little bit all over the place, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's a pretty complex scheme actually, especially coming. Um, 
you know, from Wade Phillips' scheme, which is what the Broncos were in before. So they made a similar jump to, you know, what the Rams are about to make if he keeps Vic's scheme. And, you know, Wade's scheme was it was pretty simple in the fact that, you know, he, he let his guys do what they did best. Uh, you know, he features the edge rushers. Um, but Vic's scheme, you know, there's, there's a lot of detail and um, – changes and potential for changes, especially in the secondary. Um, guys like Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, their safeties, Chris Harris at corner. Um, he relied on those guys quite a bit to um, to kind of be the quarterbacks back there and make a lot of calls. It, it puts a lot on the inside linebackers too. I mean, Todd Davis was asked to do quite a bit. Um, uh, the guys up front, I, I think there's kind of this misnomer that defensive ends don't really um, – have a, a good place in a 3-4, but uh, those guys, they put in a lot of work. Um, and I, I think what's interesting about this group is um, a lot of guys had career numbers in Vic's system, and this was just year one. And it, it took them a while to get going because it is fairly complicated. Um, it's a significant adjustment, um, especially on the back end. But once they did, um, you know, they're – Guys posted some serious stats. I mean, Todd Davis had career numbers and tackles at inside linebacker Shelby Harris. Um, Justin Simmons became an all-pro. Um, so it, it was interesting to see that. Um, but it is, you know, it is 3-4 by name, but they spend the majority of the time in sub-packages. I think they were a nickel most of the time. They played quite a bit of dime. Um, so it's... A bit of a misnomer, but I think most defenses are like that anymore where they're becoming more hybrid hybrid schemes. So um, it, it does feature the edge rushers a lot, but it also puts um, a lot of emphasis on the guys up front and, you know, getting interior pressure. Um, so it's it's a, it's a bit different. I, the only thing I can say, it's a, it's a bit more complex, um, and it puts more on the players, which a lot of the guys here liked, um, because they could decide a lot of the calls, um, but it also requires you having those those skilled and knowledgeable guys on the back end, which you know seems like the the Rams definitely do. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because with this hire in particular, because two guys I would, I would look at, you know, Eric Weddle was at safety was brought in largely for that role that you're you're just describing, Nikki, to kind of be that almost like that quarterback back there at safety and get guys lined up and and uh, communicate well back there. And he, you know, Eric had an up and down season just by himself, and then he comes out at the end of the season and says, "Well." If I'm not a starter, I'm going to retire, basically. And it was like, ooh, okay, uh, pretty pretty intense there. So I, I'm curious, you know, now with this scheme coming in, and like you just said, with the with the reliance on somebody like that, I wonder if that changes the dynamic a little bit, if that's presented to Eric in a, in a certain way, or if his role um, maybe changes based on what it w- might have been under uh, Wade Phillips. And then the other guy being Corey Littleton, middle linebacker, he – uh, before Eric Weddle came in, he was that kind of defensive signal caller, and he did that in 2018. Um, and now he's set to be a free agent. So the idea that uh, the Rams might have to replace both of those guys—I don't know. I guess you could look at it either way. It's either you know Staley comes in and, and gets two guys that kind of you know fit his mold and what he wants out of those two guys, or you you bring back the ones who uh, have, have filled that role and have some familiarity and, and that sort of thing. So it'd be interesting. Nikki, you talked about Staley's relationship with the players and they respected him 
certainly the players respected Wade Phillips a lot. They came out on Twitter after he was uh, dismissed or let go or whatever terminology you want to use. Um, they came out in support of him, how much they loved playing for him. Even in the locker room after the final game against Arizona, players were talking about how much they loved playing for Wade Phillips. How do you think the the players, the Rams players, will respond to Staley? What what makes him um, approachable and 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 what what makes him, what makes the players uh, sort of gravitate towards him? Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting transition because the guys here too. It's it's kind of crazy the parallels um, um, with Wade Phillips leaving or them not re- renewing his contract because the guys here absolutely love him. They still love him. Um, he's just one of those rare coaches that you know just can build a rapport with guys that are you know half his age um and they really respect him i think a lot of that goes goes to the fact that they play well with him um and i think a lot of you know their their trust and regard for brandon of course will revolve around you know how well do they do with him um i I think the one thing he really does have going for him is he's smart um he, he does work hard um, and he's genuinely a nice guy. He's not one of these. Um, he doesn't yell to yell. I've never heard him yell. I mean, if you see him, he looks, you know, it's he, he does not look like an outside linebackers coach. And I don't mean that, you know, in any disrespectful way. But, you know, he's he's a genuinely good guy. And I think that comes across to to players. Um, they know he's looking out for their best interest, too. Um you know, it's going to be interesting going from, you know, a coordinator with, you know, as much experience as Wade Phillips to one who is in his first year and generally doesn't have that much experience at the pro level anyway. Um, but I, I think he's one that um, just with his charisma and how much he, he how much work he puts in, I, I think that alone really helps him. He's not going to be Greg Williams. Is that is that no. the short version of what you're saying? If you can, yeah, if you can picture the opposite of Greg Williams, that's probably what he is. That's yeah. probably a good thing all around. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's it's striking. I mean, Nikki, you, you talk about the communica- the similarities there within the Broncos, but the similarities to um, you know McVeigh and Staley, and like I said, talk to Tom Arth, who uh, who employed Brandon for a while there, and you just you know I read some of the quotes back, and I'm like this easily could have been somebody talking about Sean McVay three years ago, just in terms of that communication and that uh, detail-oriented kind of thing. So you can certainly see uh, what uh, Sean McVay was thinking when, when he made that hire. Yeah, and this is this is a guy that, you know, he doesn't have a ton of years under his belt, but he has worked with, you know, Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd in Chicago. Now he's worked with Vaughn and Chubb, um, the young guys behind him. Um, you know, obviously spent his entire pro coaching career alongside Vic and Ed Donatel, who probably doesn't get enough credit just because he's not calling the plays here, but he's, um, guys love working with Ed. And I think Brandon is, is very similar just in their style and it's more teaching than, um, yelling. There is no yelling. (laughs) So, um, I, I think he'll be a good fit. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, for any first year coordinator, there's going to be some adjustments, but um, he sure seems like one guy that, um, you know, won't seem like it's too big for him. It's very interesting. Uh, thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on. Everybody should uh, definitely check out Nikki's work on The Athletic. It is top-notch and, and has been for years even before she joined The Athletic, but it's a pleasure to be her, uh, her teammate and uh, 
Uh, very grateful for that. And follow along on Twitter also at N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A on Twitter. Great follow, too. A lot of fun. So thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on. And we'll, we'll have to return the favor if the Broncos poach any of the, the Rams coaches. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot, Nikki. And uh, Jake, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because I, I'm not sure what the expectation of Rams fans was on this because you kind of heard two sides of it. You know, I, I got a lot of people who came at me with, you know, please no Joe Barry, anybody but Joe Barry, you know, don't want to retread, don't want this, don't want that. And then Brandon Staley gets announced. And then there's this element of who's this guy? You know, why are they hiring some kid who has never coached before? So I, I don't know what the what the happy medium there would have been. But, uh, you know, all things being equal, I, I think you have to applaud Sean McVay for for looking for somebody uh, who could be a future star? Who could be a difference maker? Who might bring something new to the to the Rams? So we we don't know how it's going to work out, but I, I don't think it's really fair just to outright or immediately say, you know, why are you hiring a guy who's unknown? Because Sean McVay was largely unknown three years ago, and a lot of these coaches are unknown and, until they make a name for themselves. So I I don't know, Jake. Is, is it too big of a swing? Uh, to to go to a 37 year old who was who was coaching at John Carroll University three years ago, or uh, are we going to look back and and see this as a as a good move? I think fans, when you're talking about fans, there is no happy medium. It's just you know they're always going to be uh, they're insatiable. Every fan base is that way. Uh, they you know are the the same fan that's calling for Wade Phillips head is the same fan that says well who's this guy you know why why didn't we bring in someone more proven well you you know you you can't really have it both ways you either you either want an established guy like a like a Joe Barry to to replace an established guy like Wade Phillips or you want to go unconventional and you want to bring in someone that that maybe you've never heard of but I can tell you this uh in in doing some research on on Brandon Staley in particular I the more I read about him, the more I, I like him. And I was one of the people that in, in an earlier podcast was saying, don't rock the boat, keep the guys intact. You know, the, this team is not that far off from from returning to where they need to be. Obviously, Sean McVay and Les Snead and the rest of the Rams organization felt differently and felt that they needed to go in, in a different direction. And they wanted Sean McVay to have you know, complete control over his staff where I think maybe there were there was more influence from Wade Phillips and others than than Sean McVay would have liked. And we don't even know if Joe Barry's gonna be on the staff uh this coming season. He may go back to USC. We heard reports that he may become the defensive coordinator under Clay Helton there. So we're still waiting to see. But in terms of Staley, the 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 things that I've that I've heard about him and and going to your article with Tom Arth is that this guy wowed Tom Arth at John Carroll University within the first 30 seconds. I mean, that's a hell of a first impression to make. And you were talking about it earlier, about how he wowed Sean McVay in the interview room. So 
when you when you put that into context and you think like wow like that's the that's the type of impression everybody wants when they go in for a job interview they want to be able to be memorable be someone that can impress their boss right away and gets the job uh, immediately and 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 I really that really stuck with me also his time as a quarterback too uh talking about Brandon Staley is is really interesting and I think that uh, Arth kind of put it uh, in, in in a nice perspective in your article when he basically said that he sees the game from an offensive perspective and can run the defense with, you know, sort of an offensive mind to try and outsmart the other team. I think that that's a really interesting dynamic that I think will help. Um, but it also means, like I was saying earlier, that Sean McVay is going to be more involved on the defense. When you have a guy that isn't as proven as, let's say, Sean McVay, because Sean McVay has been a head coach for now three years, you can kind of say, I'm, you know, he's sort of the, 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 the most senior person, obviously, you know, in title, but also in experience, and he can have more of a say when it comes to his own defense. Yeah, I think um, Staley's challenges here are going to be uh, come at kind of different stages. I mean, the immediate challenge is he has to replace Wade Phillips. And I mean, Nikki spoke to it uh, also from the Broncos perspective, how even though, you know, Wade's been gone for a few years now, there's still guys there who uh, remember him very fondly and I'm sure probably tell stories about him and, and everything else. And and that's going to happen here, too, with the Rams. I mean, you, you mentioned it yourself, Jake, that the outpouring from from the current uh, Rams players, a uh, support and love for Wade Phillips was pretty extraordinary. And uh, it's, it's not that they're going to hold that against Brandon Staley, I don't think, but uh, he's going to face a challenge coming in. He's going to have a different personality. He's going to have a different leadership style. And, you know, just as Sean McVay had to get those players to believe back in 2017, that's going to be a challenge for, for Brandon Staley. He's, he's going to come in at age 37, and it's only natural probably that some players are going to kind of you know, maybe give a little bit of the side eye and, and think, you know, is this a guy we can trust? Is this a guy who knows his stuff? Uh, is this a guy we should follow? And I, I think they'll probably be inclined to do that because, you know, they, they want to do what's right for the team. But there'll be a little bit of a challenge there for Brandon just immediately to uh, to, to kind of take that ownership. But it certainly sounds like from from all we've we've heard that uh, that he can do that. Uh, the other thing, Jake, you mentioned uh, Joe Barry there is that they're going to have to in, in fairly short order here, I would think. Uh, figure out what to do with the rest of that defensive staff. And it'll be curious to me because, as you mentioned, you know, Sean, I think part of the the genesis of this is is Sean wanting to take a little bit more ownership over that defensive side of the ball. Uh, so what does that mean exactly? Does he give autonomy to Brandon Staley to say you can bring in your own linebackers coach or your own secondary coach or whatever? Or does he sit there with uh, Brandon and say, hey, you know what? We got this guy, Aubrey Pleasant, really like him. We got this guy, Joe Barry. We've got Henderson, whoever it might be, uh, and uh, we'll want to keep those guys. So that, that'll that be interesting to see how that goes. Jake, there, there has been uh, a lot of uh, fan feedback, uh, reader feedback about both Joe Barry and Aubrey Pleasant. You mentioned Joe Barry potentially being a, a applicant or under consideration for that USC job. That seems like it's still an open possibility. Don't know about Aubrey Pleasant. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, Aubrey's still a very young guy, 33, 34, I think. So uh, we don't know. How, how is he going to respond to this? Is, is he going to be okay 
with with coming back to to work in the same role um, under a D, under a new defensive coordinator. Maybe the Rams work out something with him, or he gets a, a little bit of more of a role, something like that. I don't know, um, but uh, he seems to be the guy, Jake. Uh, that uh, if, if the Rams fans can hold on uh, to one of those other coaches, I think they'd hold on to Aubrey Pleasant, but. There's no guarantee, right? I mean, this position being what it is, if somebody else comes along with a, with a job offer, you you might very well see Aubrey Pleasant uh, heading to the airport. Oh, definitely. And I think with a lot of the openings, the, the head coach openings, the defensive coordinator openings that we've seen around the league, you can't put it past Aubrey Pleasant or any any other the any of the other NFL teams to be like, well, we you know we really like him. He's you know been considered for a defensive coordinator position before, so it's not that far off to think that he may be on the move. Um, it, it's we haven't heard anything officially from the Rams regarding uh, Brandon Staley or Kevin O'Connell, the new uh, reported offensive coordinator. So it's hard to tell um, what the game plan is or or but i also think it's it's kind of telling in a way and and you can comment on this rich too if if, if you feel this way or, or you don't but it's kind of telling that they haven't made a decision on what's going on with joe barry and or aubrey pleasant or any of the other uh staff members there to to sort of say um you know, you, you, we're going to keep you or, 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 you know, we're, we're going to move on from you or we're going to add some other pieces. And I think that once the Rams officially come out and say um, that we are hiring these two guys, then you'll start to see, you know, how the, the defensive staff shapes, shapes up. Um, the, the one thing, you know, that we've gotten officially from them is that, Wade Phillips is out. John Fossil obviously uh, is in Dallas. Uh, Skip Pete is out. So those are the the official moves that we've seen from them. So um, it's it's kind of interesting because it's like it's the the coaching the coaching hires that the Rams have made so far is sort of uh, or the the reported hires that we've heard so far is sort of. Um, a microcosm of what I think the Rams want to be in 2020, which is unpredictable. You can't really um, figure out which direction they're going until they make a decision. And and it's 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 kind of fun to watch, just kind of to to see the the evolution of what's going on with this team. Um, but I think fans have a lot to be excited about. Yeah. Jake, you make a really good point in there um, in that just the timing of this and you have to do a little bit of maybe reading between the lines or, or whatever it might be. But you're right uh, that they didn't announce any firings or anything like that on the on the defensive side of the ball. They very easily could have because they let Skip Pete go. Um, so at the same time, they could have said, you know, thanks, Skip, we're moving on. They could have said that to any number of, of people on the defensive side, too, when they chose to, to let go of Wade Phillips. The fact that they didn't, uh, I don't necessarily think that means anything in terms of them bringing those guys back. But certainly it means, I think, this is just me speaking, that they're open to any or all of, the, of those guys coming back in the right situation. Now, certainly, they're they're all of those guys. I'm sure will will be sitting down if they haven't already with with Brandon Staley to talk about 
a lot of things, philosophies, leadership, communication, you know, to, you have to see if there's a fit. Brandon Staley, I don't believe, has worked with any of those guys before, although there's a, there's a funny connection with, with Chris Shula as, as somebody you could, you could look at. Uh, Chris Shula actually replaced uh, Brandon Staley at, at John Carroll University when he uh, left briefly and then and then in turn replaced Chris Shula when he returned to John Carroll uh, two years later. So you, you have to think there's a little bit of a connection there. But anyway, the point being is, uh, you know, they didn't outright dismiss these guys. So that indicates to me that, that there's at least some interest in, in bringing those guys back. Now, whether they develop a connection with Brandon Staley, whether or not they're on the same page, same philosophies, that sort of thing, uh, that'll probably get determined here pretty quickly. Um, but you're right. That's a, those are those are important decisions, and then um, you know we'll we'll see where they where they go from there. And then the other thing to me is is the personnel, Jake. I, I you know mentioned it during the uh, chat with with Nikki there, but could change some things. You, 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 she talked about the the positions kind of of importance within that that uh, excuse me that Broncos defense last year, and, and I think a lot of them were the same with the Bears in in 2018. The one thing that changes is you know, whether it's Brandon Staley or Vic Fangio or any of these guys, they've never had an Aaron Donald before. So that that is a game changer in terms of how you uh, organize your defense, how you scheme, the different packages that you use. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect that you will see a straight line from, you know, the Bears in 2018 to the Broncos in 2019 to the Rams in 2020, uh, you'll certainly will see a little bit of difference, if only because of Aaron Donald. And it's a factor that the, those other teams just don't have. But Jake, I mean, what what do you think? Does this, does this change the game at all for you in terms of whether you bring back a Corey Littleton, whether you bring back a Dante Fowler, knowing how important edge rushers are in, in that Vic Fangio defense? Eric Weddle potentially coming back. Uh, does it does it change your mind on on any of those guys, or does it change the order of importance in in terms of how you might bring them back or seek to bring them back? I still think you can have the best coaches in the world, but it means nothing if you don't have the players on the field to make the stops or score touchdowns. Now, with, with that with that said, I still believe that. Um, what we talked about in a few podcasts ago is that the Rams need to make a decision on Dante Fowler, Corey Littleton, and Michael Brockers. And as you broke down on The Athletic, Rich, they really only have the cash for one of those guys. So you have to think that Michael Brockers is the odd man out, and you got to kind of compare Corey Littleton to Dante Fowler to which one you think would be best to keep. Um, I, I would... I would side with Corey Littleton, but then again, you you know you look at a guy like Eric Weddle, and I still think he is also another odd man out because he getting rid of him does free up some cap space. And now you got to put a team on the field, and you still have the cap space issue, if you will, that you had before. You're you're starting to talk about these coaching hires. With all of that said, I I still I still think that you know they're obviously are going to be uh, new opinions in in the coaching room. I don't know what kind of say Brandon Staley will have in terms of what players the Rams keep or what players the Rams will go after in free agency or in trades or kind of what his thoughts are on, on the Rams defense. Certainly they wanted to bring in a new perspective and certainly he brings that a fresher, younger perspective. Maybe they will look to him to see 
what his thoughts are on what players they think they need to bring in. So I I, I still am of the mind the the same mind that I that I was before these these coaching hires were reported, which is is that you still have that cap space problem. You still have to make tough decisions on bringing back guys. But I think you, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you that you go away from Fowler, Littleton, and Brockers and just say, we're, we're going to find some, you know, three new guys that can fill those positions. I really do think that, that you have to have some continuity because remember, this defense was pretty good last year. The, you know, the, the Rams were nine and seven, but they don't get to nine and seven without the defense, to be honest. So that you, there, there has to be some continuity there. There has to be, um, some consistency from last year to, to going into this year, and I think that you definitely need to add some pieces, but it would it would be a shame to see you know this this whole you know roster be shaken up, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think there is a value in that in that continuity too, um, but you you do have to weigh it, uh, and it's it's not going to be easy. And I, I don't know. I I tend to agree with you there, Jake. You, you know, hearing what Nikki said about the. The safeties, it just gives me a little pause in, in terms of, of Eric Weddle, even though I still think that's the right move to make for any number of reasons. But if you don't bring Eric Weddle back, then you've got, you know, John Johnson back there coming off a shoulder surgery, but he should be good to go. And then you've got second year Taylor Rapp back there. And then you don't have a whole lot else back there. I mean, Marquis Christian even is, is going to be an unrestricted free agent, so there's no guarantee necessarily that that he comes back but in terms of that linebacker position i'd even read going back to you know some of the stuff with with vic fangio um, the importance of having that middle linebacker and uh, if i'm just doing a comparison between those two I think in general, and it's it's dangerous to say in general, but it's probably easier to replace those edge rushers than than it is to find yourself somebody who can be that really smart, good three four inside linebacker. I don't know whether that's going to be as easily replaceable either through the draft or free agency or even trade, uh, things like that. I, I, you know, look at the outside edge rushers. Um, it, that's that's usually a pretty good area to go in the draft. Whether you're talking about second round, third round, there's usually a good little you know pool of potential edge rushers there that you can that you can grab. Or there's a few more free agents. I, I think uh, maybe even one or two from Denver who who might they might be able to to poach. So uh, again, you you do have to prioritize because as you just said, Jake, that the salary cap room is not unlimited. Uh, so you you have to look at and say, okay, what are the what are the positions that are critical? Who are the players who are critical? And I just I look at Corey Littleton and I think for for all the reasons you just said, Jake, not only the the style of play, the production, uh, but the continuity too. Just having you know knowledge of your teammates, knowledge of the way that they play. Uh, the, you know, just having been with them for for three four years as, as Corey Littleton has, uh, I think that's the right move. We'll we'll get into this more in, in future episodes, but the the price is going to be the thing, obviously, and I think it could end up being a situation where, uh, be, because the players do have that little window where they can negotiate and talk to teams, I think that'll be a great opportunity and a smart opportunity for for Corey to kind of maybe his agents to to make some calls around and see, okay, what's what is the market value? What what would I get? if I if I left the Rams and then weigh that in terms of is it worth leaving is it worth 
you know, leaving a locker room that you like, teammates, coaches that you like. So uh, I have a feeling, I don't know, but I have a feeling that that's probably uh, where that's headed with Corey Littleton. And then and then we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But uh, obviously this changes the game a little bit, like you said, Jake, because it's, it's a new coordinator, it's a new scheme, uh, everything else. And uh, certainly it's going to be a different look both on and off the field for the Rams. But, we, we, Jake, we spent the entire time talking about the defense, so I feel, feel really bad if, you know, if Kevin, Kevin O'Connell's mom is listening. Um, I, I apologize, <laughs> but we haven't really talked uh, too, too much about him. But... Uh, just a little bit of the background. Uh, he obviously he, put, he grew up in, near San Diego, so he's you know, not too far away. Uh, played at San Diego State. Went on to, to uh, kind of a career as a as a backup for a few years. Bounced around. The Patriots drafted him, so he spent some time in that organization. Uh, the Lions, Jets, Dolphins, and then ended up ended up with the San Diego Chargers in uh, 2012 before he stepped away um, started a coaching career again has bounced around a little bit he was a QB's coach with Cleveland in uh, 2015 assistant with the 49ers 2016 and then since uh, 2017 uh, came to Washington obviously that's right around the time that Sean McVay left and so uh, Kevin O'Connell came in first as the quarterback's coach got promoted to passing game coordinator then got promoted to offensive coordinator at the start of 2019. Uh, he worked under Jay Gruden, who uh, obviously got fired during that past season. Kevin O'Connell did not call plays at the start of the season, but did take over after Jay Gruden was fired. Um, Jake, a, a look at the stats will tell you that the Washington Redskins had arguably the worst offense in the NFL last season. So I'm sure some people took note of that. But the fact that they had a lot of issues, they fired their coach, they transitioned from uh, to a rookie quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether we should be judging uh, Kevin O'Connell on, on all that necessarily, but we don't, know, we don't know a whole lot about him, do we? I have to agree with you that we shouldn't be judging him on his uh, resume as it as it pertains to the Washington Redskins. Again, going back to my point, if you don't have the players on the field that are good enough to win, you can coaches you can coach the heck out of them, and it's not gonna re- it's gonna matter, but it's not gonna overall it's gonna you know you can only do you can only do so much from the sidelines is basically what I'm trying to say. With that said, though. Um, I was reading up on Kevin O'Connell, and uh, ESPN was reporting that he spent some extra time with rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins um, after he took over the starting role, um, and they reportedly had a strong connection. So that's that's good news in terms of uh, working with younger quarterbacks. Obviously, Jared Goff, a little more established uh, in the league, but still on the younger side, still uh, trying to um, find his identity and find his consistency. So that does bode well that he had a really strong connection with a young quarterback. Um, I also found out that he his style is very uh, run heavy. So um, that, that bodes well, I think, for uh, the Rams and getting Todd Gurley back on track. Now, obviously... 
McVeigh will continue to call the plays and O'Connell will be there uh, in an advisory role during the game, but obviously very instrumental in game planning and all, all of that stuff. But if he has sort of that run first type of mentality, it may help McVeigh stick to the run throughout the game. What we saw a lot in 2019 was that McVeigh would start off with a very uh, run centric, run heavy uh, approach and then go away from that when he either saw it didn't work, but then uh, weirdly in that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers game, uh, it was working uh, and he did stick with it and then at the end didn't go back to it and was one of the reasons why the Rams couldn't uh, come up with a victory there. So we were talking a lot about Rich before McVay even decided that he wanted to get an offensive coordinator, that it would help him to have that sort of second set of eyes uh, up above, trying to keep him on track and and and, and checking him when uh, maybe things on the ground are, 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 you know, not as clear to him or if he's struggling or or whatever the case may be, it, it it's also nice to have that the the second pair of eyes up there to try and uh, figure out a you know a sort of a collaborative approach uh, to winning football games. Yeah, for for sure. And uh, until we really hear from Sean McVay, it's it's hard to kind of speculate on on what exactly uh, Kevin O'Connell will bring. The the thing that I've heard beyond, like I said, that the fact that Sean will continue to, to call plays is that. Um, Kevin most likely will fill a role very similar to what Matt LaFleur filled in, in 2017, which is a lot of, of what you're talking about. I, I imagine that Kevin would be uh, up in the booth and, and that sort of thing, you know, on, on the headset and, and obviously involved a lot and, and in the game planning and things like that. So uh, the amount of, of influence that he will have in terms of the the play calling and the the design of the offense and things like that, I'm not really sure because I, I still tend to think that as long as Sean McVay is is with the Rams, that it'll be his offense. And by the way, people uh, people question that too, but that's it's not uncommon for for people who might be a little critical of Sean. There, I believe I did the numbers a while ago, but I believe it was 15 of the 32 NFL head coaches call their own offensive plays, and and pretty much pretty much if you're a coach with an offensive background. Uh, you call plays, so that's not something that that Sean is being you know egotistical about or anything like that. That's that's now pretty much become the standard for 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 coaches for head coaches who have that um, offensive background. So not not uncommon, not surprising. The thing that uh, I do wonder about, and again, we won't know the answer to this until we really talk to Sean, is does that change? Obviously, when Matt Lafleur left, they they went to this run game coordinator, pass game coordinator thing with with Aaron Cromer and Shane Waldron. And whether that continues, I'm not sure. Uh, I would tend to think maybe that gets consolidated uh, now that you do have a full-time offensive coordinator and and both of those guys can kind of go back to uh, just focusing on their respective position coach jobs. But I don't know that, and uh, that'll be something I'm curious to see, you know, exactly what those responsibilities are. Uh, for Kevin and um, you know what type of role he will fill the one thing I'll say is you know you can't ignore that Jay Gruden connection because uh, Jay Gruden hired Kevin in in Washington and you know Jay the the whole Gruden family really uh, mentors to Sean McVay very very close relationships there so you you have to think uh, I'm certain that that Sean McVay was was on the horn with 
with uh, Jay Gruden to, to talk about Kevin and, and what he would bring as a coach and, and all of that. So certainly that, that connection was made. But uh, we'll, a few more answers are due there in terms of exactly what that, that role is, is going to look like. But Jake, we would be remiss if we, didn't in, in, if we ended the episode without at least mentioning John Fossil because uh, that, that's a big move. You know, we talked about Wade Phillips and uh, kind of the, the culture and, and how beloved he was in the locker room and things like that. And, and a lot of the things that you can say about Wade Phillips, you can say about John Fossil and really kind of the, the heartbeat of that uh, Rams uh, team. I mean, one of the only holdovers from, from the Jeff Fisher era and, uh, you know, going all the way back to, I believe, 2012 uh, or maybe even slightly left after that. But the longest uh, tenured Rams assistant coach and, you know, obviously filled that role as the interim coach after Jeff Fisher got fired, a very emotional time. Uh, b- beloved, uh, you know, just a salt of the earth guy, as, as you know, Jake. But uh, the, the one thing I wanted to say there is, I've been careful with the terminology here because it's been pretty clear to me, well, the Rams came out and said that they weren't renewing Wade Phillips' contract. So that was uh, certainly a proactive decision on their part uh, to to not bring him back. I'm a little less clear about John Fossil. His contract was up. He he was technically a free agent. Um, So, you know, you could say that the Rams created this situation because they didn't sign him to a contract extension. They could have probably taken care of it a year ago, and and I think John would have been happy to return, and, and they didn't do that. Uh, so they were in a situation where he was able to go uh, get hired by Dallas or any other team. But I'm not entirely clear. I just I like to be honest with these kind of things. Uh, I'm not entirely clear whether uh, there was a clean split there. I, I've heard that perhaps the Rams were, were still open to bringing back John Fossil and that it just didn't work out, or Dallas came in with a – with a, an offer and, you know, he just made a choice or whatever. So I'm not, you know, for fans who are getting on the Rams saying, oh, how could you fire John Fossil? I'm not entirely sure what was going on there. So I'd, I'd, I'd pump the brakes a little bit on that one until we get uh, a little more information. But uh, Jake, you know, from, from being around uh, what an influence John Fossil had on that whole room, not just the guy, not just the kicker, the punter, the long snapper, but but he was a guy who uh, the whole team kind of looked up to and, and enjoyed being around. Oh, yeah. And he was such a character, too. And I know that you interacted with him uh, a bunch, Rich, but I just he's just such a nice guy. He, he's very down to earth, really just you know, doesn't, doesn't think he's high and mighty or, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an NFL coach, so I don't have to talk to anybody. He's just a really down to earth, real dude. Um, he obviously very instrumental in building the special teams that we've seen over the years with the Rams. They've been, um, really uh, good special teams. Obviously this season, you know, sort of took a little bit of a dip, but, he always was a, a, a guy that uh, everybody respected, everybody loved, um, and it's it, it's it's a little disappointing to see him leave the Rams. But one thing you and I talked about a little bit, Rich, is that um, especially with Wade Phillips and trying to predict whether or not he would be back or not, I think what you mentioned is that Wade probably saw some of the writing on the wall that he that Sean McVay was uh, you know got a contract extension and he didn't and s- similarly with John Fossil 
he didn't get a contract extension and maybe he also saw the writing on the wall that obviously I'm just speculating here um but you know maybe it was the case that uh Dallas kind of jumped at the chance and was like we want you you know no doubt about it and and it was it sort of um worked out for him I did look it up though um you're talking about uh one of the only uh Jeff Arif Jeff Fisher era coaches left on the staff and he there he was one of two left on the staff uh the other uh, the other one uh being uh offensive line coach Andy Dickerson and i believe uh Skip Pete too was a holdover so both him uh Pete and Fossil are gone and the only one left is offensive line coach Andy Dickerson so um Jeff Fisher, that <laughs> the the lasting legacy he's had on the Rams is is hanging on for dear life with Andy Dickerson. Yeah, last man standing. Yeah, and that, Jake, that's the thing we don't know. Again, I there's a lot of speculation here, but but the the fact that those guys weren't signed to extensions at the same time that Sean McVay uh, was signed to one, I, I don't think that definitively says something, but it's it does say something. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what. I'm still kind of circling around this, trying to figure out exactly what it what it was in terms of John Fossil, but I, I don't think it's as clean cut as to say he was he was fired or let go or something like that. I think it's a little deeper than that. So maybe that's something we can find out a little bit more about as, as the offseason goes on. But Jake, I just my closing thought would be, you know, there, there's one thing to uh, the on-field stuff and the X's and O's, and and we can talk about what you know, these two guys, Brandon Staley and and, and Kevin, will bring. But uh, there's also that factor of culture, and I'm not saying this to be critical, just that I'm, I'm sure Sean McVay will be mindful of this and, and is mindful of it. But uh, you know, you create a certain culture around your team with the coaches and, and the way things are done, and and obviously the Rams have had a winning culture. They even you know going nine and seven is is a winning team that that almost made the playoffs. So uh, I, I think they'll have to keep that in mind, not not to get too far away from from who they've been. And uh, but that all starts with Sean. He's the one who set that culture in place to begin with, um, and and you know brought the Rams to these heights. So. Uh, he will be charged with with bringing in Brandon Staley and and, and bringing in uh, you know Kevin O'Connell and and having them fit into that that kind of culture and, and making sure that they assimilate and all that. So big changes when you talk about going uh, from two guys who had such big personalities in in Wade Phillips and, and John Fossil to uh, two guys who we don't know a whole lot about right now. But that'll be the fun part: getting to know these guys and and seeing what they bring and and how the players respond to them, react to them, and obviously we'll be here to, to do it though they'll be back out on the field before long uh, OTAs uh, will start and, and we'll get to see some of these guys in action and, and what they bring uh, on the field so so that'll be very exciting but Jake they've given us a lot to talk about so uh, appreciate the Rams uh, for that at least they're, they're not making <laughs> us uh, boring uh, for us but uh, we'll be back uh, of course next week who knows what will have happened by then maybe uh, we'll get some official announcements we'll be able to maybe even talk to these guys and and see what they say uh, about uh, their new jobs. But until then, we'll continue to bring you coverage on The Athletic. I've got some stories in in the works. Uh, So we'll continue to kind of evaluate how these two new coaches will will change things. And uh, Jake, I know you guys are always following the stories over at uh, CBS and KCAL. So uh, what what should uh, the people, the viewers, be looking out for in terms of your great coverage? 
Well, we've got Sports Central every night, as you know, on KCAL 9 at 1045 at night. But hey, guess what? We've got the AFC Championship game this Sunday at 3.05 Eastern Time. That's 12 p.m. Pacific. The Titans at the Chiefs. So be sure to uh, tune into CBS. And then uh, afterwards, we'll uh, most likely have our uh, post-game show with Jim Hill. So, um, yeah, exciting, exciting times in the NFL. Yeah, my goodness. I mean, I had it. I had it glued to CBS watching that Chiefs game. I can't. You know, it was funny. I just like I saw the way it started, and I kind of was thinking I was going to leave the house and and go out and do things. And I just had this thought in my head, like, yeah, it's it doesn't feel like it's over, even yeah. when it was whatever it was, 24, 21 to nothing. And then sure enough, wow, what a, what a game. So yeah, looking forward to that AFC Championship game on on CBS. Uh, it should be a real interesting game. Those Titans, Roger Saffold, former former Rams offensive <laughs> yeah. lineman. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good feelings still for Roger. A really good guy. So definitely tune in and and on Sunday and and see how he does with the with the Titans against the Chiefs. So thanks everybody for uh, listening. Thanks for all your great comments and uh, reviews on iTunes and things like that. And again, we will be back with you next week. We'll see what happens as we continue to break down this very very interesting Rams off season. So thanks for listening along with us, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>